President Trump says everyone wants to work in his White House, but try telling that to Gary Cohn. Plus, is John Kelly being undermined by his boss by way of the mooch? And a porn star is suing the president. Yeah, really. This is the State of America tonight. Believe me, everybody wants to work in the White House. Gary Cohn is leaving as the president's top economic advisor. I like conflict. I like having two people with different points of view. We have never seen talent bleed out of a White House like this. They all want to be in the White House. So many people want to come in. I have a choice of anybody. The headline reads, porn star sues president, and nobody seems to blink. Did she have a sexual relationship with the president? Yes. I think what's striking about this is that this is kind of the least troubling and salacious uh, detail to be facing uh, the White House. Hello, I'm Joe Johns, live in New York. This is the State of America tonight. In moments, White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders is going to take to the podium in the briefing room. We'll monitor that and give you any updates as they appear. But first, just hours after declaring there was no chaos, just great energy in the White House, President Trump said goodbye to yet another staffer. Gary Cohn, Trump's top economic advisor, called it quits after coming up short in his bid to block the president's tariff proposal. Sources tell CNN that while things between Cohn and the president were never the same after he criticized his boss on Charlottesville, the trade fight was the last straw and the markets don't like it. Stocks sliding on the news. Here's the New York Times reporter who broke the story. Gary Cohn's uh, departure was not a surprise. We had actually reported last week that he had informed John Kelly, if the president went ahead with this tariffs action, um, that he may have to resign. Um, and I had heard from a couple of people last week that he was very close to doing it, except that Hope Hicks resigned and he didn't want to look like he was sort of jumping into the fray and, and creating a bigger narrative. Gary Cohn is joining an ever-growing list of White House staffers who've headed for the exits in just the first year. Senate Democratic leader Chuck Schumer says the brain drain is having an impact. One of the problems here is the White House is getting hollowed out. I've heard story after story of capable people in the Gary Cohn mold being trying to be recruited by the White House, and no one wants to go. It also adds up to a milestone for the Trump administration and not a good one. No other president going back to Reagan has had a higher turnover rate in his first year than President Trump. That's according to analysis from the Brookings Institution, which says a whopping 43 percent of staff have resigned or been ousted to date. The White House says that while Cohn may be gone, he'll still offer advice if the president asks. He's been uh, an integral member of the administration, and he's going to continue to be uh, a voice to the president and certainly somebody that he can talk to and lean on from the outside. Now, it was just a month ago Gary Cohn was mentioned as a possible replacement for John Kelly as the Rob Porter scandal swirled. One former member of Trump's inner circle laid the blame for the entire mess at Kelly's feet. His name? Anthony Scaramucci. There's a fear, culture of fear, culture of intimidation, people afraid to talk to each other. Coming from the president? They're afraid of the president? No, I think it's the chief of staff. The morale's terrible. The reason why the morale's terrible is that the rule by fear and intimidation does not work in a civilian environment. 
And if you think Scaramucci, who was fired by Kelly last summer, was speaking off the cuff, think again. Sources tell CNN that President Trump emboldened his former communications director to trash his current chief of staff. Maybe that explains why the president, who again claims his White House is chaos free, said this just yesterday. I like conflict. I like having two people with different points of view, and I certainly have that. And then I make a decision. But I like watching it. I like seeing it. And I think it's the best way to go. And it is certainly a good thing the president likes conflict because a pretty big one is headed his way. It involves Stormy Daniels, the adult film star who alleges an affair with Trump prior to his presidency. Her attorney suggests Daniels may have proof. Did she have a sexual relationship with the president? Yes. Does she still have photos, images, text messages, documents that verify this claim? That's a question that Ms. Daniels will have to ultimately answer. The latest development now, Daniels has filed a lawsuit against the president saying he never signed a hush deal about their encounter. So, according to her and her lawyer, the agreement is void and she's free to speak out. But one CNN legal analyst disagrees. It's not going to null and void a contract simply because both parties did not sign it. The fact that we actually then operate under the presumption that it was valid for more than a year, for more than two years at this point in time, is going to go against any court finding saying that, oh, wait, it was null and void. The departure of Gary Cohn and the Stormy Daniels lawsuit dealing a one-two punch to an already beleaguered White House today. CNN's Caitlin Collins is there. Caitlin, what's the question of the day for the briefing room? Well, Joe, there's a lot going on, a lot for Sarah Sanders to have to answer for when she comes out at this briefing here any minute now. And a lot of that surrounding what is going on behind closed doors here in the West Wing. And the president was insistent yesterday at that press conference with the prime minister of Sweden that there's no chaos here in the White House and that there's a line of people waiting outside the door wanting to work here. But, Joe, that's just not an accurate reflection of what's really going on back there. We've actually reported that morale is at an all-time low, and it often mirrors that of the early days of the administration when there was whiplash over so many executive orders and a lot of the positions had not been filled. And now a lot of staffers who work inside this White House feel like they're getting back to that place. Now, not only are they having staffing issues and morale problems, the president has also got this Stormy Daniels story that just will not go away with the, uh, of course, with the actress filming or excuse me, uh, filing a lawsuit against the president just last night. Now, the White House, what will be interesting to see is how they handle these questions, because so far the White House has refused to answer any questions regarding Stephanie Clifford, whose stage name is, of course, Stormy Daniels. And just today, Sarah Sanders is out here on the driveway of the White House behind me, and she told reporters they've already addressed that situation and they don't look for or they don't plan on addressing it again. But the fact of the matter is now there's a lawsuit against the president on behalf of this woman. And the White House is definitely going to be asked about that at this briefing today. And what someone who works inside of the White House even raised to me today is the idea that there could be more lawsuits like this or more cover-ups like this from uh, the president's earlier years. And uh, certainly a lot of questions about the role that his private attorney, Michael Cohen, has played in all of this. But Joe, a very, very uh, White House full of turmoil at the moment. That's for sure. And I think a lot of us would love to know how those payments to a person like Stormy Daniels don't count as in-kind 
contributions by the FEC. So we'll see on that. Thanks so much for that, Caitlin Collins at the White House. Now, let's get more details on that lawsuit that pits a porn star against the president. I'm joined right now uh, by CNN politics reporter MJ Lee. So a hundred questions here, but I think perhaps one of the biggest one is is there really proof, as uh, her attorney asserts, that there was a relationship? That's right. And in the big picture, I mean, this is so significant because this is the first time that Stormy Daniels has put in writing the details of this alleged affair that she had with Donald Trump. So I just want to walk through a couple of the key headlines from this lawsuit that was filed in California yesterday. First and foremost, Stormy Daniels says that this affair indeed, in fact, did happen. She says that this was a relationship, an intimate relationship that started in the summer of 2006 and continued well into 2007. The second headline is that she says she decided that she wanted to share her story in the 2016 presidential campaign, that she says that she saw the Access Hollywood tape come out in October of 2016. And when she saw that other women were beginning to speak out about their relationships or their uh uh, sort of run-ins with uh, candidate Donald Trump at the time, that she also wanted to approach the media and tell her side of the story. Now, this is where things get really interesting, Joe. Uh, I just want to read a statement from a part of the lawsuit. It says, after discovering Miss Clifford's plans, Mr. Trump, with the assistance of his attorney, Mr. Cohen, aggressively sought to silence Miss Clifford as part of an effort to avoid her telling the truth thus helping to ensure he won the presidential election. Now, the lawsuit goes on to say that this is when Cohen drafted an NDA as a part of this so-called hush agreement, and that at the end of October, this is when Stormy Daniels and Michael Cohen, according to the lawsuit, both signed this agreement. But very important uh, piece of detail here, uh, the lawsuit alleges that Donald Trump himself did not sign the NDA, so they are now using that information to try to make the case that the agreement should be legally null and void. Now, Michael Cohen also continues to intimidate Stormy. That's according to the lawsuit, uh, including as recently as last month. Now, uh, all of this, Joe, gets to the point of did Donald Trump actually have information about this agreement and these efforts to uh, silence Stormy Daniels about this alleged affair? And the lawsuit seems to say, yes, he absolutely did. A lot of questions, as Caitlin was saying, that Sarah Sanders will have to field uh, during the White House briefing. And this thing is not going away. So all of those questions are going to have to be tested. Thanks so much for Absolutely. that, MJ Lee. Now, coming up, as the revolving door spins at the White House, we'll take a look at Gary Cohn, his exit, and what that's going to mean for global, global trade, and who's next in line to enter the situation. The panel's coming up next. Now, Gary Cohn was called Wall Street's security blanket in the White House, a firewall against dumb economic policy and an advocate for free trade and globalism. Now the stock market is unhappy to see him resign from his post as President Trump's top economic advisor. The panel tonight, Kerry Sheffield, national editor for Accuracy in Media and a supporter of Donald Trump, Errol Lewis, CNN political commentator and political anchor for Spectrum News, Amy Pard, CNN political analyst and senior political correspondent for The Hill and Kirsten Hagelin, conservative commentator. Thanks to you all for being here. And I, who knows where to start, but let's, let's start with Gary Cohn. Uh, you look at the markets down a couple hundred points. If the market is reacting or sending a message, it's not a big message. 
Is Wall Street over the departure of Gary Cohn? I'll ask you. Well, yeah. I mean, it's well within the range. If you look at where things have gone over the last uh, you know, couple of months, actually, this is not one of the bigger declines. This is about you know, a, a, a percent, maybe less than 1%. Um, it'll probably snap back. He does not affect the, the economic fundamentals. Mm-hmm. What is interesting, though, is that um, to the extent that Wall Street has a vote, they were, in fact, voted down. I mean, this, this was um, as clear a policy dispute as we've seen in this sometimes chaotic White House, where you, the, the, the issues were clear, it, there wasn't a lot of room for compromise. You either are slapping protective tariffs on everybody without regard to what country it is that's trying to import steel or aluminum, or you don't. And the president let the, the debate rage for about a year and then made a decision. Are we overhyping this question of trade and the effect on jobs, the effect on growth? There's this quote at the very bottom of the New York Times article today. Uh, it's a quote from the top economic advisor in the Obama administration. And he says the Republican Party, like the Democratic Party, is torn on trade, but all sides of the debate share a common misconception that trade is more important than it actually is for growth, inequality, or jobs. Well, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. So I'm a former Moody's bond analyst, and Moody's came out with a report today estimating the impact of the steel and aluminum tariffs. And they said it was pretty much negligible as far as it relates to the GDP. So I think I I agree that it's important to keep that in mind. I think it's also, I agree with you as well, in terms of the fundamentals of the economics of this country, when you see what's happening. So Nancy Pelosi said that the tax reform bill was the worst bill in the history of Congress, that it was Armageddon. Well, let's see what's happened since then. We see jobless claims at a 49-year low. We see disposable income up. We see consumer confidence at an 18-year high. That means our fundamentals are strong. Our country is coming back. So I think, you know, as far as Gary Cohn is concerned, it's important to put in context of other Republican administrations. George W. Bush tried tariffs as well in 0203. Richard Nixon tried price controls. So I find it a little bit ironic when so many people are saying, oh, Armageddon, Trump is the end of the world. Just just take a step back, breathe and look at the fundamentals. So politically, though, this is a winner for Trump, is it not? I mean, you look in the Rust Belt, you look in Pennsylvania, Bethlehem. Uh, the voters there are going to say, what a great idea, Donald Trump. Well, yeah, and, and, and that's what he's doing. It's sort of appealing to that base that, that uh, sent him to office. But in the meantime, it's kind of disrupting Washington again. And he has this big fight going on with the Hill. You know, that's sort of, um, you know, that's taking place right now in shape. And, and that's going to be in the backdrop. And, and the White House in turmoil. I mean, this is really affecting policy and, and politics inside the White House, and that's problematic for him, too. So now we're talking about successors again, and mm-hmm. this is a continued problem at the White House. Uh, some of the names that have come up, Larry Kudlow, the, the CNBC anchor, of course, he's been uh, very critical, if you will, of the president's tariffs. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and there are a few others. Peter Navarro, this is the guy, of course, inside the White House who really pushed for the tariffs. What... Is there a staffing crisis at the White House? (laughs) Um, Of course, from the inside, um, there probably is. But uh, President Trump is, of course, trying to, you know, trying to make sure that it's not perceived that way. Um, 
So what is really going on on the inside? I mean, all of us can just speculate. Mm -hmm. But um, I would look at the transition of Gary Cohn out and who replaces him as really a greater function of who is going to have more of an economic influence going forward. Because Gary Cohn was kind of the last of the Jared and Ivanka, more globalist, um, you know, kind of policies. And also this really shouldn't be a surprise because there are a few other times where Gary Cohn indicated where he maybe wanted to exit after the Charlottesville comments, um, as well as, you know, he was really behind the great infrastructure plan. And that really wasn't isn't going anywhere. So this isn't a huge surprise. Um, what will be interesting is to see if John Kelly is on his way out and Gary Cohn possibly coming back in as chief of staff. Um, but he will be fine. Mm-hmm. What will and, and also, honestly, the administration will be fine because all of his base, his very, very fervent, enthusiastic, very red base, was for Gary Cohn going out in the first place. He was mm-hmm. Goldman Sachs. He was all of that globalism. And now he can you know, be replaced by someone who is along with their so ideology. Steve Mnuchin says uh, probably just a little while ago, that there's a great bench, so no need to worry. Is there a great bench uh, at the White House with I, all these people? I suppose. I mean, you know, the, the reality, though, is, as we saw here, it wasn't about the brilliance of the bench. You know, I don't think anybody disputes that Gary Cohen was a very talented guy, made a bunch of money on Wall Street, has an interesting personal story, mm-hmm. comes from that heartland. I mean, we think of him as a Wall Street banker, but he comes from Ohio. Um, uh, and he was thrown overboard, you know? I mean, he was a step toward bipartisanship in the sense that he was a Democrat, but... Um, he can go, the fundamentals won't change, the White House won't change, and make no mistake, on certain issues, Donald Trump is all over the place. This is not one of them. Uh, There are several books, I won't say he wrote them, but there are several books with Donald Trump's name on them. (laughs) He's been talking about protectionism and tariffs in trade for 20 years now, You're and right. it's He's an unbroken line. He has been consistent, and I think, look, I'm a big fan of Paul Ryan, and I'm a fan of President Trump. I think there's a way to find a compromise on this issue of trade, and I will point out that Paul Ryan used to be for the bat, uh, which was tariffs basically on all products coming out of Mexico, and now he's against tariffs specifically on steel, so we got to be consistent as much as I love Paul Ryan. Uh, I think also, as far as it relates to the stability of the White House, I think it's, again, important to go to history here and look at Abraham Lincoln, for example, Pulitzer Prize-winning book called Team of Rivals, uh, and, and, and President Obama you even sure said, that, I want a, well, he, and, and, and President Obama said, I want a Lincoln-esque team of rivals. So I think this is, if I can use my libertarian nerdy side, Joseph Schumpeter was all about creative destruction. That's how things move forward in the economy. That's how things happen in business. Uh, and if you think of why Trump won, President Trump won because people wanted to change. They wanted to shake mm-hmm. up to the system. And it was right. hard, I think, for a lot of people to, to swallow that. Okay. All right. Coming up, the president of the porn star, Stormy Daniels, wants to talk, and she's suing Donald Trump to do it. We're going to have a legal expert on, so he's going to examine the arguments when we come back. So we've got this lawsuit filed by... Porn actress Stormy Daniels alleging that she had an intimate relationship with President Trump. She wants to talk about it publicly. Daniels' suit claims the hush agreement she signed just before the 2016 election is null and void because Mr. Trump never signed it. Her lawsuit also says Trump has been actively working with lawyer Michael Cohen to shut Daniels up. So let's get back to the panel. And we want to add in CNN legal analyst Paul Cowan. And I just got to ask you directly. Uh, when you look at this, and the allegation essentially is the president didn't sign the non-disclosure agreement, therefore it's not a valid agreement, even though we all know that money 
changed hands. So it suggests reliance, right? Exactly. So is it valid or not? Oh, it's a nonsense uh, claim because, uh, number one, uh, you're right about the money. She took $130,000, which means she waived any defect that would have existed in the contract. But the second thing is if you read the contract itself, it allows this person named what David Dennison, who's right. really the president, or this corporation that was created by Michael Cohen to sign the contract. It says it specifically in the contract. There was no requirement that the president even sign. They're trying to squeeze their way out of an arbitration proceeding that Cohen has thrown them into. And the only way they get out of that arbitration proceeding is if this is an illegal contract. All right. So um, in any other presidency, this would be referred to as tawdry. I think is probably the word you'd get, at least maybe out of South. But um, people really haven't picked up on this too much. Are we now at the point, and I'll ask any of you, uh, where because of Bill Clinton in the White House, for example, and um, Monica Lewinsky, are we now at that point where this type of behavior really just doesn't move the needle much? Well, I agree. The reason that this isn't moving the needle, I agree with Paul, this is nonsense. Uh, this whole story, in my opinion, uh, I know CNN covers many important topics and we'll m move on to better topics. <laughs> but as, a, as someone from Utah and Missouri, from the heartland of this but, country, for, for, mm -hmm. for us, like, we want to talk about kitchen table issues. We want to talk about, you know, am I, like, I just lost my job at the steel right. factory. Let's talk yeah. about this. But and there's I, a I serious think, question. But, there is but, a but serious she, question. No, and she, the question is, the question is, uh, whether this was an in-kind contribution to the campaign that should have been reported. This is very similar, uh, many say, to John Edwards, who got indicted over uh, Riel uh, Hunter. Am, no, am I right? But, but, but Riel was a campaign You know, talking about, talking about, kitchen, about kitchen table, you know, this is, I think you have to go back a little bit. I mean, is this the president having sex with a porn star on the kitchen table. It really goes back to, <laughs> all right, it really goes back to the issue of character because it used to be that we liked our presidents to be men or women of character. We thought that had a bearing on them holding the office. And what's remarkable to me, regardless of the merits of this lawsuit, is that the public doesn't seem to care if Trump is doing deals with porn stars or anybody else. The perception of the presidency has changed radically under Donald Trump. But the fact yeah. of the matter is, uh, in the campaign, people apparently asked and answered that question, did they not? Right. I mean, these character issues came up multiple times throughout the campaign. No. And, and people who have known and followed Donald Trump over the history of his career have also known these things. And I don't think that it's surprising to anyone. Um, but I also care very much about this issue. And it bothers me when both sides are selective about when they care about character. And I completely agree with you. We should care more. And I think that people overlook the fact that part of the desensitization, the apathy and the anger that people have in the middle of the country and on the coast with establishment elites and Washington and New York as well, Donald Trump has been one his entire life, is that because they can do this behavior and get away with it, as well as be corrupt in their dealings in Washington and politics. It's corruption on both sides. Where people are like, I couldn't get away with this in my office. How come he can? So we need to not just have selective outrage here. The, the question, though, uh, a lot of politicians, uh, when they find themselves in a situation like this, it's about hypocrisy. It's about a person who pretended he was one way and turned out to be another way. Right. This right. president right. Uh, has not been, uh, we, we had knew his warts well, coming in. Yes, but, and, and the but is, in this case, he has never really come out and said that this didn't happen. Right. He didn't do it. 
somebody's lying or, or anything like that. What we're seeing under the hood, and this is a little different from what we saw uh, with the Access Hollywood scandal in the middle of the campaign, was is, is that you know you, you, you can look at how these kind of people operate. And by these people, I mean people of low cal- character. It's, it is sleazy. It's tawdry. It's, it's, it's bad. Um, this is what some, a certain kind of rich person does. They get their lawyer to sort of write this uh, stuff and try and shut them up, even though she'd given a 5,000-word interview... And it's all been published. Everything that she has alleged, you can find online in five minutes. Right. So, so it, it didn't even work. As far as your claim on the campaign, this is not the same as John Edwards because she worked on the campaign for John Edwards. So right. Story Manimals is not a campaign official. This is a distraction from... And as far as the character go, question, go. mm-hmm. the character of Donald Trump is that he has courage. And that's why he won. So you can right. say he has virtues and everyone, go. like all, all of right. us. Thanks so much for that, everybody. This is Day 412 of President Trump's administration. That's the State of America tonight. We'll see you back here tomorrow.